Oh, if I. Yeah, it's recording. <laughs> Just move on. <laughs> Mado is going to escape into the woods <laughs> where she feels really comfortable. <laughs> oh, gosh. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Good to see folks in the Zendo. And again, apologies for my inability to <laughs> take one eye and put it on the screen <laughs> and the other eye to um, look at you. Um, it's, it's not easy to kind of figure something out here. So the more people that come in person to the Zendo, the more I'm inclined <laughs> to scoot around here and just be directly with everyone. Um, so nice to see everyone. Um, today, I want to continue a bit uh, in response to a wonderful comment, a little story that Andrea, Andrea, uh, Andrea Gregg told last week about um, knowing that, at least believing as a child, that God knew everything that she was going to do, that God was omniscient. And she was uh, riding her bicycle and remembering that God knew what what she was going to do. And so she came to a turn and decided that she was gonna go this way and then that way, and then this way and then that way. And in a sense, my, my feeling was that she was trying to trick God, <laughs> that, that, um, that uh, she, she was sort of um, discombobulated by, knowing what that God knew what she was going to do, but trying to have the freedom herself to do what she wanted to do. So there was a kind of uh, childlike grasping for freedom, uh, freedom from control. But of course, um, the fact that, and, and in Buddhism, we sometimes speak about karma, and how our karma develops over time. And one, one decision that we make has consequences. Every decision that we make has consequences. And those consequences lead us further to additional consequences. And so there is a sense in which uh, we are free to cho choose, but the choices that we make in the present determine the choices that we're going to make in the future. The fact that karma is operative and that God, if there is a God, knows what is going to happen, doesn't take away from the fact that we feel free. That even though God may know what we're going to do, even though karma does in some sense determine what our future looks like, it, God doesn't control what we do, nor does our karma control what we do. 
it influences what we do, but it doesn't control it. And so we are free to choose. We are free to choose what, as last week I was talking about, the difference between a convenient practice and a committed practice, that we are free to choose which path we want to go down. Every time we are confronted with this crossroads, how do we want to proceed? So one of the issues that comes up often is how free are we? How free are we? And some of our suffering comes from the fact that we misunderstand what freedom is. Zen practice is often talked about as the way of liberation, is the way of freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from suffering. But sometimes we interpret freedom, the freedom of choice, as the freedom to do things, to do whatever we want to do. I want to be free to do what I want to do when I want to do it. That's freedom. And we associate freedom with this wide range of choices. That is, I have, I can do anything I want. From a Buddhist perspective, this is a misunderstanding of true freedom. It's much less about the freedom to do things and more about the freedom from, the freedom from suffering, the freedom from barriers, the freedom from what sometimes we call defilements. And when we're free from those, from those things, then we can make clear choices. And actually, the most, the, the most profound form of freedom is when our choice becomes absolutely clear that we've had eliminated all the things that we really ought not to do and don't want to do. And it's clear all those, those barriers are fall away. And the clarity of choice, it's not about we have all these choices, it's about this is the choice. This is what I'm compelled to do. This is what my heart tells me to do. So this misunderstanding that freedom is this, it's really not freedom, it's anarchy. It's, it's not about, I can do whatever I want to do. In fact, there's a wonderful little uh, vignette that we learn in, in logic. I studied philosophy and this was a very uh, popular little vignette. And, it, and this, this vignette is called Backham's Ass. And 
this is the story of a donkey who is finds himself or herself, don't want to be patriarchal here, um, between two bales of hay. And is, it's, a, it's a hungry donkey and needs to make a choice about feeding himself or herself. And looks at this bale and says, ooh, that looks, that looks pretty juicy, but uh, maybe that one is maybe a little juicier. Or, thank you, that maybe it looks like that bale is bigger than this bale. No, I don't know, maybe that bale, you get the point. Going from one to the other, imagining, projecting, maybe this one has too many seeds. This one, this one doesn't look like it has many. Just that constant uh, vacillation, oscillation between choices. And what happens to the donkey? He starves. He starves between the two bales of hay. And that's why it's called Backham's ass, because the donkey becomes an ass because he can't choose or she can't choose. The, the, the problem for that donkey is the problem that we, that we face. And it's the problem of thinking too much. And uh, David mentioned that he loves um, Harari's book, Sapiens. And I'm reading that now. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book. I highly recommend it. Um, and in that book, he says that one of the, the features of being human is that we can tell stories. We can move away from um, what's right in front of us, reality, and imagine things um, and tell stories about things that don't really exist. Um, and this is a wonderful quality of our human brain and our human mind, but it also gets us into trouble because we, we sometimes get stuck between our stories and we feel free because, well, I can choose that or I can choose that or I can choose that. And we make up all these stories about the consequences of our choices and it analyzes the different, I mean, Okay. <laughs> okay. Gremlin. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So um, we think we project, we create stories, and we get we get lost, and we're no longer free because we get imprisoned by our stories. You know, recently um, there have been a number of flights into 
so-called outer space. And I heard one comment, one commentator on these space flights saying the real issue is not so much our ability to get into space, but our ability to come home. <laughs> it's important to come home, right? Um, and my daughter used to watch this show all the time called Lost in Space. <laughs> and it was very, um, it was very um, compelling because it was this story of, uh, of, you know, this projection into this fantastic place. But it was always important for those people to come back to their space station <laughs> or to get, come back to earth. And so that's real freedom. The freedom to actually leave our stories, to, to leave our projections and to see clearly, to see what, what actually is the choice for this moment the appropriate choice for this moment. You know, um, another example of how we lose our freedom by getting stuck in our stories and, and how Buddhist practice helps, um, helps us return to earth is when you're watching a movie or video, and this kind of happened here today, um, and suddenly the screen just begins to fragment and you realize you've, you've really been involved in this movie or this show, and suddenly the reception goes bad and you realize, oh my God, this is just a movie. This is, um, you know, you're watching a concert uh, and you think you're really listening to live music. And then suddenly there's a glitch in the, in the reception and you're realizing, no, you're not listening to live music. You're watching a screen. You're just watching a screen. That's all you're doing. You're, so we've begun confusing our stories and so so easy to get stuck in them. I think even our political life today is there are what is what is real, what is true, that we can get so easily swept up into believing almost any story that we tell. And maybe 30% of our country believes a story apparently that isn't real. And yet we're, we're kind of lost in space. So our practice, you could say, deconstructs the story. When we sit, when we practice, we are, we are, you might say, re-embodying reality 
we, we eliminate distractions. We still have this unstoppable mind that keeps wanting to create these movies, movies that I'm the star, I'm the director, I'm the producer, and I'm the hero and heroine of my story. And our practice starts deconstructing that, eliminating the barriers to clarity, to the freedom of, of choosing what is right in front of us, an embodied reality, so that we don't, so that we can make the turn with our bicycle and not get, not fall off or that we can actually nourish ourselves with this bale of hay, because this is the one that's right in front of us. And this is the one we're gonna to eat to satisfy our hunger, instead of you know, this constant, um, constant imagining and, and, and projecting about the consequences of our behavior. So, Buddhism, Buddhist practice is really not something that we believe. Buddhism is not a set of beliefs. It's something we do. That's something we believe. It's something we do. It's a path. It's a choice, it's, it's an action, it's a practice. Real life. This is a path, it's a way of being. And you can choose to step onto it, to actually step onto it not creating all of these stories, analyses. What should I believe? Is this true? Is that true? People are always asking me, what does Buddha Buddhists believe? That's not really relevant. It's much more relevant to ask, what do Buddhists do? <laughs> what do we do? How do we walk? How do we walk this path? This path has been laid out for us. It's over 25 centuries old. Many, many, many people have walked this path and are walking it. There are many guideposts that say, turn left on your bicycle, eat this, <laughs> Sounds like an Alice in Wonderland story. <laughs> Eat this mushroom, you know, go here, go here. Guide, guideposts, signposts, this way. <laughs> there are teachers, there are guides. I guess this is, you know, I'm called a guiding teacher. It's, I'm not, I'm not offering you truths. I'm offering you a way follow, come on, follow this way, you know, actually take the steps. And the scenery is really beautiful. 
The scenery is beautiful. So go right straight ahead. Step forward. Don't be an ass. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to stop recording yes. and unpin you.